Welcome everybody to another episode of Marley's Python Radio. Um, this episode we're going to be reviewing uh, for the book club Stolen World um, uh, by Jeannie Aaron Smith. Um, Eric is running a little late, so he has sent, uh, supposedly he has sent a doctor and a lawyer to babysit me. So far, only the doctor has shown up, and this would be uh, <laughs> Mr. Drewlander. How are you? <laughs> I, I am the podfather. You're now. the podfather now, exactly. He said that, over. and now, oh, okay. unfortunately, okay. because he said that, I, I don't have any recourse. He's the podfather now. <laughs> so, I, it's legally binding. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not lawyer here. You can't say I'm wrong. <laughs> without, without legal counsel, I have I have no argument. That's <laughs> right. Like, That's right. We're shot to pieces, but. Uh, <laughs> Eric wanted you and Rob to come on to talk about this book, Stolen World, because you guys had both read it and both have um, uh, opinions, strong opinions of the book and <laughs> enjoyed it. And also, uh, same thing as me, where it was like you read a chapter and it's just like, well, that that went poorly. <laughs> like it was, yeah, that, yeah. that was that was kind of a downer. <laughs> but I think um, both Rob and I have met players in the book. You, yeah, I mean, yeah. We okay, know so some of the folks and met them and chatted with them and stuff. So, so I don't know. And that's that, the thing you know, is my, my reptile career started in the early 2000s. I mm. mean, you you weren't – I don't think you're that old. But I don't think you were totally into it. But, I mean, you've met these people and stuff like that. Well, yeah. Right? I mean, the book starts before I was born. So right. Yeah. So that, yeah. Late 60s or whatever. So right. I was born in 75. So, Good. You know, yeah. Some of these events occurred when I was like a couple of years old or before mm-hmm. I was born. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not in it that long yet. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not yeah, in it that long yet. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's funny for Eric and I is that, you know, the, the one of the main guys in the book was Hank Molt, mm-hmm. and he was established yeah. in like, yeah. Right in, in Pennsylvania, backyard, in right? our backyard, yeah. like all this stuff that they were talking about, yeah, where he had his original shop set up was, um, Willow Grove and Hatboro, like uh, it, it uh-huh. was insane, Pennsylvania, yeah, Willow Grove, yeah. Pennsylvania. It's, <laughs> and I'm like, yep, I know that place, cool. Yeah. So it it was really, really weird, but like I enjoy books like this because it does also show the community warts and all like this as much as we want to get away from this stuff yeah this is our history like and yeah, people are like yeah. why don't people why don't people really like reptile keepers right here this is why <laughs> like it is, it's all right here <laughs> I, I would i would preface it and say there's some reptile keepers because i think there are you know some mm. great pioneers in the hobby and you guys have had some on the show you know right. that are just cool people and you know maybe maybe they brought some stuff in that was rare and and reproduced right. it you know but they mm-hmm. weren't out smuggling endangered species and you know willingly and, and willfully breaking laws so right right what, you have to sit there and think about how you're not on the best situation if you have to um build a false bottom into your shipping container I mean, what I would say is that if you're starting to construct false bottoms and compartments mm-hmm. in your crates, you're on the wrong side of something. Like, if yeah. you have to do that, you've gone a little too far left. Exactly. So, um, it was like they got greedy because they were getting yes. the permits. I mean, they were maybe manipulating the system a little bit, but mm-hmm. they were they got legal permits from the government of New Guinea to export Bolin's pythons. Right. But they're like, no, I can't let 
these other not that money like go. <laughs> I, I, I can't just take home five i got to take home 20 you know and that's so. and that was the thing i think they had you're exactly right they had um they had permits for five bolins pythons mm-hmm. and they managed to get 18 of them yeah. um plus 30 something other snakes which include bismarck ring pythons and a bunch <laughs> of other stuff uh-huh. and they brought them in and this was the one story that I read it. And I'm like, that one broke Keith's heart because it was, yeah. um, they right. brought them in, they were seized, they were sent to the LA zoo. And that was the other part is that I <sighs> expected so much better of the zoological yeah. stuff. Like, I'm like, okay, they're at the zoo, whatever. They'll be fine. Yeah. They all died because I'm sure gave, this will work. This wormer yeah, will this work. This Disney wormer will work. Oh, they're all dead. Them. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, God. that's it. It's really, and that's, I mean, I think from, um, what's the other, the, the lizard King, I, that's, you know, that one's, one that's another yeah. one, but, um, you know, that, that same kind of thing where even the good guys, you know, who are trying to help the situation investigate, I mean, they confiscate the animals and then they slowly die in their care too. Or and even like the zoos are getting yeah. into some of these. I mean, it was a black eye in the zoos, like right. the whole case with the, the plowshare tortoises and oh Baylor, you know, God. like. That, that was one, crazy too. Where he's kind of instrumenting their transfer from Europe to to New yes. York, and it's like, oh my gosh! The, the, right the, the, when the, they were supposed to go back to to right. Madagascar and say, oh, they're sick. They have to come to New York. We can <laughs> we can fix <laughs> them here. Like, Rather than oh going boy. from Europe back to Madagascar, they have to fly across an ocean to New York yeah. to be taken care of. And yeah, then exactly. They get so butthurt about having to send them back. They carve the MEF into their shells. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I, why would you do that? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I get that. Like, I, you know, uh, you, you see some of those idiot uh, criminals that are like poaching species, like, you know, mm-hmm. with the, the twin spot rattlesnakes, you yeah. know, that they, they paint the little part of their, their uh, rattle and then people are like show, popping up with these on fauna or king snake going, Hey, I got some pricey eye to sell. They're, they're captive bred and born. It's like, <laughs> Oh, how did they get my research tag on them? You morons. <laughs> the dumbest uh, thing I've ever seen. Stupid that one was my thing. favorite. The, the, the yeah. MEF thing I thought was horrible, <laughs> but if I was, uh, 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 um, somebody who ran like a reptile zoo, I get mm-hmm. those tortoises just because I'd have a plaque reading that entire story right next to their cage yeah, of right. like, well, what the hell's going on there? Uh, but the, yeah. the, the fact that we, that the government set up several sting operations and we just mm-hmm. kind of wandered into these, like the herpetological people just wander into these pits without even mm-hmm. thinking about it. Like, Oh, yeah. sell us all your rare and semi illegal. reptiles. Yeah. Okay. And they're all the government, but the one where they they go and collect the rattlesnakes and then yeah. they post it up on King Snake, and uh. the researchers are like, "Well, that's that's my rattlesnake," and they were like, "I don't understand how rattlesnake has blue on its rattle. It's like yeah. it was nail polish. Like, are you? It's a genetic me? mutation. No, it's I have, you have for blue rattle. You couldn't get out of your You couldn't get out of your own." way to realize that's what was happening there like come on man i mean i guess yeah that's the that's the good thing is a lot of times uh these you know poachers or people who are doing things illegally make some pretty stupid mistakes i mean i guess that was the other thing you know Mm. reading about hank molt is he Mm. was so 
rarely successful in 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 a monetary way you know right. like he just never made any money off of these ventures and he would screw over his his partners and mm-hmm. like just kind of sit around drinking beer while they were making the box or packing up stuff you right. know uh, it just it it's it drives me crazy it's crazy and, i don't get it you and i were talking about that during the pre-show where it's like what, what drove me up a wall is that they were successful. They have the animals here. They had the, the Fiji iguanas. They had diamond pythons. They had a bunch of other Australian species. And mm-hmm. here comes CITES that's going to shut everything down. And rather than decide that now they're going to set up the animals that they have that are rare, that will now be illegal to come into the country, they're, they're going to one more score and they go around the yeah. world trying to get as much as they can crammed in there. And, yeah. and even then, even after Hank Moult was um, convicted, he still received packages from Australia mm-hmm. of smuggled animals of yeah. you know, diamond pythons labeled as um, photographs and stuff yep. like that. And art. And, yeah, art. And then um, the Woma pythons came in cassette cases. Yeah. Baby hatchling mm-hmm. Woma pythons. And <sighs> I'm like, oh my God. Like, and that's what you can't think about when all these people are hatching womas right now and there's like seems to be a big uptick in woma pythons i'm like they came in little cassette tapes like and, was, <laughs> yeah. and that was it <laughs> well, and i think that was kind of one of the few success stories out of this mm-hmm. is that the womas did come in and i they came in through crutchfield right crutchfield brought in those uh, malt brought them in and, or, and then or, malt yeah, sold them, got to them crutchfield. yep and then, and then he sold them to a zoo and then right. the zoo bred them and gave some of the offspring back to Crutchfield. <laughs> yeah, so like it, that worked out, you know, so yeah. they, they weren't having to go smuggle Womas, you know, that kind but, of thing. Yeah, so, well, and that was the thing is that Holt, Molt became <laughs> persona non grata after yeah. his, his conviction. But prior to, um, I'll say this, one of, one of my favorite memories as a kid was going to Philadelphia Zoo mm-hmm. and they had fly river turtles. Mm-hmm. And they sat us down and they told us these fly river turtles were a gift from, or, uh, you know, they, that their first fly river turtles were a gift from uh, the, I think it was like the king of Indonesia or something like that. Yeah. And that yeah. they actually were used by an artist who came over and drew them. And then they were on the, the money and this, that, and the other thing. And reading about it where it's like how Philly Zoo got their first fly river turtles <laughs> yeah. is because Hank Moult gave them to them. And it was like, and they were legally important. I'm like, oh no. Like, and it yeah. was just like, I, I don't crushing, know. Like... <laughs> crushing a memory of young Owen. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I'd say he gave them to them. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. There was them. money. Exchange. Yeah. Yeah, so. He didn't seem to do anything <laughs> where he wasn't making money or, yeah. And so I, I guess that much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I want to, I want to go back and kind of like, I think that the, their drive, you know, kind of came from, from reading the books and, mm. and those kind of, you know, and, and back then or watching the, you know, the nature documentary back then it was like these, these heroes of theirs were these safari guys who would go out and bring them back alive. You know, I think mm-hmm. that wasn't that one of the books. Bring them back alive. It's like, so, that was the, that was the one guy who was like, um, who the AZA, AZA really, really, um, yeah. kissed up to. And they said that and he was like a prominent figure at the AZA meetings because mm-hmm. he would go get the animals for them because that's, you know, this this is back when zoos were like, we need a leopard. Somebody go get one yeah. and they drag it out of the wild. And that's yeah. 
And then they tell a good story or write a book about that mm-hmm. experience. And then these young impressionable Hank Maltz or, or, or uh, Tom Crutchfelds are reading these and, and seeing these guys in action and being like, that's what I want to do. I want to go out and find these rare reptiles that nobody's even heard about and bring them back and, and, you know, shove them in their face mm-hmm. and say, look what I found. <laughs> you know, it, it seemed like it was more about the story to Hank. The adventure. Yeah. Than, yeah. The adventure and the story than, than, than the, the animals themselves, you know, at, at that point they just kind of became, you know, okay, now I've done that. What's the next one? What's the next big thing? And, and I kind of took that as a little bit of a, like a cautionary tale, like don't get caught up on the next thing, like enjoy what you have, Yeah, you know, do yeah. something that helps you reinvigorate your enjoyment of what you already have, you know, cause there's always something else you could be doing. And, you know, I guess, Maybe that's just my personality. I see a lot of people that get a project, have it for uh, half a year, and then go, okay, what's the next one? What's they the sell one? that. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're talking you out of these amazing animals, like it's their, their favorite thing ever. And then a few months later, it's you're gone. Like, Why right. are you selling it? Yeah, what's the deal? Yeah. And, so. and I would say that's definitely something that happens more and more with the reptile community. It's like mm-hmm. you get the, even with it, not necessarily just like species, but also with morph projects, you get the one morph and then you're like the next step is i need three more or this it's like well that one isn't even grown up and bred yet like you yeah. just like you check next it's like and that i think we in the community are very susceptible to that yeah, i think you're exactly definitely. right these guys are well, always chasing something whether exactly. it was bull and i fiji iguanas <laughs> uh-huh. um uh owen pelly pythons like and Owen yeah. Pelly's had just been described, and yeah. they're like, "We gotta get them." It's like, "What?" <laughs> they just, yeah, like we just found out about these things. I mean, the plowshares yeah. were it. It yeah. it happened with the plowshares. It was like nobody can have these, and they're like, "The hell we can't." It's like that's not mm-hmm. like because somebody told them uh, they couldn't have it. So well, I feel bad for those poor gecko guys that came out of the forest near the shot. compound and got gunned down. Jesus that was horrible. Christ. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's not a fun position to be in. <laughs> like, no, it's like, we just, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, herping. <laughs> yeah, that that was a little rough, and and you know, they were probably on edge because they had been robbed mm-hmm. before then, and so yeah, what do you yeah. do? But uh, wrong place, wrong time, and yeah. and the guy who jumps up to get his passport, like, yeah, oh, and then hey, oh my guy, God. you know, just stay on your belly. Yeah, just lay down, don't man. Don't just lay, whatever's don't happening. Run towards the cop. <laughs> that's, that's the moral of the story. Like, oh God. Yeah, that's a oh, what a terrible story. You know what a yeah. Uh, how rough that would be watching your buddy, you know, his yeah. lungs outside of his chest cavity. Yeah, and that messed and up. That would that no, that's. Yeah. You Are know, we worried about spoilers? On this? Oh, no, <laughs> like, I don't care. Okay. If you haven't read the book, go, read the you know, book maybe push pause, go yeah. read it. Yeah. Please go back. read it. We're, we're yeah. talking about the book and, uh, and we're, yeah. we're obviously not going to go into everything, although we probably are at this point because it's nuts. <laughs> and, yeah. But um, I would whole, I heartily recommend this book. It was actually a pretty easy read mm-hmm. um, and I, bl- I blew through it. It was you know, yeah. uh, and it was interesting too because it does appeal to <laughs> my my uh, reptile thing and also yeah. my true crime thing. Where it's like, yeah. Exactly. Oh my god, you morons! Like, it's, uh-huh. it's, and it's talking about species we we like, you right. know. So it's like even more enticing. Like the lizard king, 
a lot about iguanas. A lot, a lot, a lot about iguanas. It's just massive. Like, okay, dinosaur, got it. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, you know, that's that's not as exciting as hearing about, mm-hmm. you know, Owen Pelly pythons potentially oh, being shipped God. over to the US or something. And but then again, they would have wound up at molts. He would have right, sent them to they would have died know, there. They would have died or something, you know, or, wow. or they would have died in transit or whatever. Right. And that's yeah. and that's the thing. And that but that story is one of my favorites now that it's gonna stick in the in my brain forever. Is because well, you, oh, you are a convicted ahead. smuggler and you go to yes. Australia to seal the deal to get Owen Pelly pythons, and you decide while you're there you're going to drop off a package of yeah. illegal animals to be sent to yourself, and you're yeah. surprised when the government has been tailing you this entire time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, and that's what well the Owen Pelly thing was what cued me in. Hey, Rob, how's Rob's it going? Here. <laughs> uh, Welcome to the podcast. Yep. We I are, am your uh, podfather. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Justin's the podfather now. He called taken it. over. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to stop him. So that's just going to be the thing now, I guess. Yeah. But but the Owen Pelly thing was what mm. kind of um, cued me in that Stefan Schwartz was a code name. It was not his real name. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. I know some... I, the only person that's bred Owen Pelly's <laughs> that is, you know, publicly on record is doing so. <laughs> oh, right. That's right. I know short. some of them that's were, were name. I knew yeah. some of them were pseudonym. I didn't. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And and unfortunately, uh, that individual just recently passed away, like within the, within this year. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's uh, Peter Krause. And so oh. he, <laughs> he was the golden oh. goose for Hank Moult. <laughs> God, <laughs> and that's that's the player that I was able to meet, you know, right. from the book. Uh, I was in Australia at a at a conference, and um, I I saw Peter Krause. I'm like, that's Peter Krause. He bred <laughs> Owen Pelly's. He is the man, you know. So I, I kind of sidled up next to him, <laughs> sat down next to him, and and kind of tried to make conversation. And he was very like reserved and kind of just put mm-hmm. me off and didn't didn't want to get into a discussion. I think. You know, when when you've gone through those kind of things, I think you're more reserved and you're less trusting of people for sure. But yeah. then the next time I saw him was after I think maybe Peter Birch had kind of vouched for me mm-hmm. and, and we kind of knew each other a little bit. And then he was very, very gracious and very open and we had great conversations. He was a really uh, great man. So, yeah, he's definitely uh, will be missed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and that's, you know, yeah. It, it, as much as this is kind of like the, um, that it's just, it's just that that's the coolest thing that you could like breeding Owen Pelly pythons would be something I would dream about right now. Yeah. And he yeah. did it and he had access to those things and mm-hmm. all the other animals that he was sending over. It's like, uh, well, and then the Australian cool. government confiscated yeah. his Owen Pelly's and they all died. You know, it's like exactly even it's, with the guy who's having success, you know, mm-hmm. we we'd be in a much better place today if they would have just left them with him, you know? And that's the problem with this is like that when, 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 when the bad guys are killing the animals and then when the good guys get the animals, they're <laughs> yeah. killing them too. And it's like, so, yeah. so the animals don't win at all here. It's like, okay, <laughs> cool. So, um, but yeah, it's, it, it was a nuts book. Rob's yeah. here. So uh, Rob, what do you feel about, this book knowing that uh, i i know you've been in reptiles for a very long time and kept a lot of different species some of these included in the book and stuff like that 
Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's a really cool book. It was something I was super excited when it came out humorously. And I said that I would tell this, my wife worked at a bookstore mm-hmm. when that came out mm-hmm. and, uh, had access to it early, but was insistent that she would be fired if she brought it home early. It would be definitely found out in a problem. So uh, sadly, I got it on Tuesday like everyone else, despite it being in the store for a week or whatever. Uh, (laughs) She wouldn't wouldn't slide one out the door, like let it fall off a truck or something like that for you? I know, right? What happened to it fell off the truck, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Just, you know, it's... Come on. It's, it's a book about smuggling. You can smuggle it. It's fine. Right? That's a great point. A book about thing. smuggling. You can... It expects to be smuggled. Like, it's fine. It's like a Hardy Boys a book, great... right? You know, now this one's about pirates. <laughs> what, smugglers smugglers are pirates go. Go. <laughs> it's about pirates. <laughs> exactly. A man whose what? ivory supplies are low or, or high is less likely to hurt him than someone whose ivory <laughs> supplies are low. Low. Um, but, uh, Rob, we were talk- Justin and I were talking like how the one point that stood out to me was that these guys never set up or like bred the animals. Where it's like, you have them. You did it. Like, you've got them into the country. Now breed them. And they just decided not to. They just kept trying to get more of them and just keep the cycle going. Um and it's weird because, and Justin said it's probably because we're in a different mindset than they were uh, with our reptile keeping now than it was back then. I mean, you, you kind of think that you that kind of came across your head too, is that to set up the animals they had or rather not? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, right? Is mm. the whole book kind of raises... There's two different things about smuggling animals, right? And it goes, Mm -hmm. I think the line's even in the book, right? Where it's like, what's the first thing that happens when a new species is described? You know, two Germans buy a plane ticket. You know, that's sort of the idea, right? And um, if we look at it through that lens, usually, though, that means to get two pair, a pair or two pair of animals, right? A small thing Mm -hmm. to start the project. And I think that's wholly different than sort of even the the legalized mass export or slaughter and export. Um, you know, Mm. for skins of like reticulated pythons where you can kill, legally kill, well, I would say uh, kill then skin, but in fact, they skin then kill, you know, 130,000 of them legally a year, right? And I get the, you know, we're talking about different things in terms of maybe an an island endemic of a tiny, a a live bearing gecko that has a single offspring per year or whatever, or heck, the Karusha, right, that are specifically talked about, that's sort of that context. And we can talk about even or shingleback and we can talk about it in that context of saying, you know, I I imagine it right. Like whenever someone complains that, oh, Karusha used to be inexpensive and then, you know, now Mm. they're not available in that way. They'd have to actually be produced. And it's like, yeah, we were just outsourcing the cost of production to the environment. To the, you know, to the wild. Yeah. That's why they were cheap. The, yeah. the effort, the expenditure to produce them was never low. They should never have been cheap. The only reason they were was because we were exploiting a wild resource that had been built up over tens of thousands of years. That population was built up mm-hmm. for tens of thousands of years, so there was thousands to harvest, right? But the impact mm-hmm. that'll have long term mm-hmm. is huge because it took tens of thousands of years to do that. It's not as though the wild ones have 10 offspring, whereas the captives have one. Yeah. Um, so, right. you, and, you know, I think, go ahead, Justin. Oh, along, along with that, you know, if, if, uh, 
if there were, were environmental studies or something done mm-hmm. where we understood their, you know, how, what kind of take would be tolerated, that kind of thing, you know, and I, I think kind of some of those studies have been done with like green tree pythons, you know, with uh, Daniel Natouche mm-hmm. showing that, you know, the, the, that the level of take is, is acceptable and it's not decimating populations and things like that. You know, if, if there is some, but, and then a lot of times like, like with Madagascar, it's just being burned to the ground. Yeah. There's going to be no, yeah. and I think my favorite quote from the book that kind of goes along with that was, uh, it said reptile smuggling was an environmental pinprick next to the carnage wrought daily by mining, logging, and conversion of wilderness to farmland. Still, smuggling was something the agents could at least attempt to control. You know, it's it's a very minor yeah. thing, and I think they really like to overplay like how much money you know, all this stuff is worth, and the and the you know smuggling industry makes all this you know, and it's just this black market evil. But really, it's 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 just a tiny speck compared to all the environmental carnage that's going on out there. Well, and that's all to your point, right? That's all theoretical value in the same way, actually, Mm -hmm. with if you go back to like the the file sharing, you know, with uh, music and Mm -hmm. music and movies and things. And it's like when um, uh, LimeWire and those sorts of things and then the Mm -hmm. the. Um, federal prosecutors will get up there and and say they stole fifteen billion dollars worth of music when the industry itself is was worth at that time like five billion a year and it's like yeah, yeah if you had to actually pay for it you wouldn't just be ripping everything that was yeah. there. oh I possibly would have an interest in this versus paying the eighteen ninety nine you know retail yeah. or whatever and it's like exactly. so it's entirely fictive mm-hmm. yeah definitely mm-hmm. I yeah. I think that stuff's silly and it definitely highlights that and. I mean, heck, we've all seen it in Australia, right? Mm-hmm. The notion that all this stuff, yeah, you you can't be the Germans with a pair. Mm-hmm. Yet, I mean, how many shinglebacks get nailed on the road? How much? Yeah. How much of the land is, to your point, denuded, sold for mineral development to, to China? You know, it's for yep. to make all these, make the phones we're talking on now. All this stuff, you know, it's not that's mm-hmm. not an ethnic thing. That's just a, a development thing. Right. Yeah. Or, hey, we're going to we do that here, you know, planet, yeah. right? We yeah. were just in Southern California where obviously the habitat looks vastly different than it did a thousand years ago, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And then there's also like even then when it comes down to it uh, with the toads in Australia, it's like so you're going to bar people from getting these animals, but there are, the toads are going to sweep through here and decimate the population, too. And it's it's yeah, kind of, the I toads can see is, arguments on two sides. hundred so. percent. And I, mm-hmm. I agree with you in this context. Maybe we should put a pin in this. Yeah. It's probably maybe it's an entirely different conversation, but I've had some thoughts on the toads okay. um, that that were actually prompted by the on the Aussie Herp podcast for the Christmas episode. Someone had recommended the Venom book associated with the development, the you know the search for mm-hmm. collection and development of Taipan anti venom, and it's it's a really cool Ooh. book. But okay. one intriguing thing to me out of that book was actually. A, a line in there from one of the the youngsters who was committed to the cause and says, you know, this is the early 50s from Victoria or New South Wales, I think from Victoria, and w- launches an expedition to Cairns. Turns out he didn't have to go nearly that far to go find a coastal Taipan. But at the time, you know, they were enigmatic even now, right? They're kind of enigmatic. Yeah. Um, Unless and, you're Shane uh, Black. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. You can find them real quick. You can find them every day. <laughs> you know. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no worries at all. Um, but uh, the 
he talks about going to Cannes, arriving in Cannes, and on that first night seeing nothing but cane toads. And this is, as I say, 1952, 1953, and the place is overrun mm-hmm. with cane toads. And it, so this prompted me – it sort of struck me as odd, right? Because we think of this yeah. as a really relatively recent problem, and when we're talking about mm-hmm. are the how adapted are the inhabitants to the – um, to this threat, right? Is this a, mm-hmm. is this the principal threat, or is this now one of the sort of normative threats of that population? And mm-hmm. caused me to do more research than I'd ever done previously into what was the history associated with releasing cane toads in the area. And mm-hmm. it actually is from out by Atherton. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think so, maybe a little bit further north, but you know they, where they were doing the sugarcane stuff, and it was yeah. in 19, 1935 through nineteen thirty seven. That means that um, you know when we were in Tully, right, in twenty eighteen, and looking at it and saying, "Man, there's nothing but toads. That's why there's no carpets." I mean, a carpet in Tully has to be eleven generations exposed to toads by now. So that's right. it's probably it's not that it's good for them. It's not that it's not a problem, but how much of a problem it is. I think our maybe our minds are a little bit different. You know, obviously, as they expand into new territory, that's a little bit different. Um, and we sort of, con- at least I conceived of them as like they're born and they they all have their little hobo hobo sticks and say, "Move west, we need to expand our range." And we also know that's not really what they're looking to do either. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just stepped well, on a hornet's it, it, nest. It, I've been thinking about there, Owen. No, no, it's fine. I, I appreciate the hornet's nest. And so. these these animals that have been exposed to them for almost a, a century now mm-hmm. um, are learning to avoid them, or you know, recognizing they're not food, or flipping them over and eating their belly. You know, the the non poisonous part. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're adapting, and and pretty and I. I thought it was really interesting. So a lot of the research that, you know, shine's kind of done, he's done a lot of research on toads recently and, and shown that a lot of uh, populations like the pig fly river turtles or, or the uh, children's pythons have actually increased in their populations because their major predators have eaten toads and died. You know, they don't have any, any uh, want to eat the toads. And so they're not, being affected that way unless they're right. like eaten as a hatchling or something but right. um so you know they're actually benefiting from the toads because their predators are getting knocked out you know the crocodiles or the goannas or whatever so yeah and, it's and a, it's a, a similar way complex. right yeah, yeah. yeah. It, well as ever right the cosmic octopus yeah. it's <laughs> exactly. you know the complexity exceeds yeah. our capacity to understand it but uh, you know the yeah. other part of that right is just the change you know can favor some some things right yeah. in the yeah. i think of it with blood pythons right palm oil in sumatra is really great for blood pythons they're yeah. more, doubtless they more, more dense habitat. than than ever you know devastating yeah. everything else but yes 100 percent, 100 percent and that's you know I, you know we're we're thinking about the cane toads in relation to jungle carpet. It's probably the the agriculture that's knocking the jungle carpets out. Yeah, you know, like, and that's yeah, that's exactly that's exactly yeah. what it made or, me think, right? Or is like, them. yeah, or, or helping are they, them. Are they yeah. are they a the threat or just mm-hmm. a threat in the panoply of options, right? That are having or, this impact. Or a benefit. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, or possibly again. Yeah complexity right that's, yeah. it, it's got to vary for species nothing's I mean. that simple yeah it, it can't be and and i guess that's you know half of me is like uh, yeah i kind of i see tom crutchfield's logic when he says you know uh what is uh, conservation, oh, conservation through propagation 
you know yeah it was uh where you're like yeah, yeah. i mean if they're burning commercialization down tree right? conservation through commercialization commercialization, commercialization. Yeah, commercialization. Yeah. yeah so if you're if you're um and, you know we we've seen this with a number of australian species nobody's gonna try to smuggle out a bearded dragon or a you know a, a, a thick-tailed <laughs> gecko or something not worth it yeah or morph <laughs> or, you know whatever but so so the and 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 to the contrary, a lot of Australians are smuggling in morphs of bearded dragons or <laughs> morphs of different things, you know? And so, you know, there, I guess that's kind of a two-way street, but, mm. um, you know, there's no need to smuggle in a lot of these species that we have in the U S. And so, mm. you know, when the, when the customs officers are like, ah, don't pretend like you don't know how much they're worth. I'm like, well, yeah, my livelihood's worth a lot more than a $5,000 lizard, you know, yeah. I, can, I can still buy it in America and not risk my whole livelihood in jail time. You know, I'm not stupid. I would like, <laughs> like to not get arrested. Yeah. There you I'm, go. I'm not, I'm not that greedy that I'm going to risk everything. You know, I'm not a gambler. So, um, that's, you know, that's kind of the, but, but I can see like that frustration, I guess, or that, um, like, okay, they don't care about the wildlife. Why should I care about their laws revolving around the wildlife? And, right. You know, right. some, some kind of things were manipulated, like saying that they ate the banded iguanas or whatever. <laughs> in Fiji, you know. They eat the Fiji iguanas. No, they don't. <laughs> like, <Yeah. it's> just... <laughs> but, but they do eat the radiated tortoises, you know, and they have yeah. that, what, they, that bust where they found 10,000 radiated tortoises in a shack and, 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 you know what like what are they going to do with those if they just flooded the pet trade market with ten thousand radiated tortoises mm -hmm. anybody who ever wanted a radiated tortoise would have one you know and then be like okay now we don't need to worry about smuggling those or or yeah. you know do, doing things i mean, I mean I there's a reason they're not smuggling in sulcata tortoises right yeah it's yeah. because they get exactly. they get huge and also they have tons of babies and mm -hmm. you know there's a bunch of other stuff like that so if you wanted a sulcata you could probably get one in the u.s for pretty cheap um oh, yeah yeah so i i see the draw to that of being like if you said flood the market have radiated tortoises all over the place here and it, you won't have that problem anymore you won't have to worry about smuggling and i see that a lot with and that's the problem for with, with this book too is that because the species that we're pretty much interested in are in a place where we can't get them like it's like because it's blocked <laughs> off to us yeah it's like it makes them more desirable it does <laughs> yeah. it does and it's like yeah. and the one guy who got he got pat down at the airport and he had the diamond python mm -hmm. like <laughs> And it was like moving. <laughs> like, yeah. like, oh, that's just my moving tumor. That, that's my moving tumor. It's fine. <laughs> like, it's, don't, I don't touch that. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Yeah. But it's it's like you see that in everybody, any Australian, anybody who's interested in Australian animals at one point is like, yeah, I'd, I'd consider smuggling that, but you don't mean it. Like it's yeah. the yeah. it's that thing where it's the I'd smuggle that thing, or I'd get a boat and go to Indo and ship it from there. It's like, no, you don't actually do it, but these are guys who actually attempted it. They were horribly not successful in a lot of cases. And, you know, well, I would, I would posit that they actually were for the most part, very successful, but you only find out about it when it goes badly. Right. And that's sort yeah, of, all right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, certainly, I mean, if we look at, uh, you know, in some of this stuff, it becomes this gray market, right. Where mm -hmm. they're, are then legal shipments associated with stuff from Sweden. And it's like yeah. people want to get into a discourse about, you know, a certain person with brettles pythons or pygmy pythons or whatever, but those were also then sent 
you know, through legal means as well. So is that to say that all of them were or none of them were or that yeah. entire thing is fictive? Like who's to say, right? Right. Well, and then, there are a couple of people reality, who can say, and they mostly don't. But you know, yeah, um, like will in they? reality, no. when you have a bunch of people captive breeding them, then yeah. it becomes a moot point because they're not impacting right. the natural. You know, they're actually helping the the natural uh, cycle because you're not pulling stuff out of the wild. You're just yeah. shipping yeah. stuff around the world that's been captive bred. So, well, and and that was things they had pockets of of captive. They had colonies of Fiji iguanas that were in zoos and. In certain other places, and they still kept bringing them in um, yeah. Yeah. after they had become. Well, that's just a question of access. Then you know, yeah. like part yeah. is yeah. part of that. You know, is because right. those have always been just sort of the things that are always the most difficult for that, right? Or then mm -hmm. things that just have a, a stigma for a long time, right? Prasinus, the Varanus prasinus, the emerald tree monitors, right, weren't mm -hmm. allowed to be exported just because they sort of had a. They were perceived as a you know, such a, pre a precious thing, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't even a question of what's the science say, yeah, to your point about Daniel, right? And the Biocondros and sustainable yeah. harvest and things. There are things that are just, it doesn't matter what the actual populations look like. It's just a hard no, because we perceive that as being sort of this idyllic critter, you know, in, yeah. in this sense. And so that, that was the case uh, with Indonesia for those Prasinas for a long time. You know, and ultimately, then that led to a change, and that probably was at least partially associated with the, you know, finding all the different forms, the the misul, you know, the the blue ones, you know, all the different yeah. island for, insular forms that have the different looks, and because it kind of coincided with that time frame that the there seemed to be a shift mm -hmm. in the way that was handled. But sometimes it's just the idea, you know, you're not yeah. why do zoos yeah. not have pandas? Well, because China regulates the heck out of pandas. Is it because yeah. of the, they their actual them um, out, right? Yeah, oh yeah. China owns every panda in the world, and right. I hear. I thought and, but it's because was... of the the human conception of the panda, right. not actual rarity. I mean, to that point, mm -hmm. right? The um, Bakari, the black tree monitors in the wild, mm -hmm. seem to be more rare than Prasinus. But at that, that mm -hmm. we're talking, they're on the Aru, you know, archipelago, and it was uh, for a long time. Bakari were coming in in huge numbers, despite the fact they had a more restricted range, and there were few, there were fewer of those in the wild. But those ones, yeah, that's fine. It's just a black one. Who you know who cares about that? <laughs> it's not the green one. Get it out of here. That's a pretty um, green yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's almost like you kind of wish that certain government entities. I know it's going to break down to money. It's like for hunters in a hunting season, they have like bag limits. They have what can be removed from the population, sustain mm -hmm. the population, and that. And they have those numbers figured out and like fisheries and this, that, and the other thing. But nobody really looks at it from the sense of what can be removed from the wild as part of like collections or reptile this or this, that, and the other thing. And, yeah. you know, it, it well, would I think go they, a long so way they do, but it. not in the refined not way the that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Not mm -hmm. it, not with that level of granularity and detail, yeah. right? It's right. not normative yeah. enough that they're putting those resources in that they put in for fishing or mm -hmm. associated with, you know, these other things so that it's most commonly it'll be there's an allowable list and if on the allow and it varies by local jurisdiction and all, but just to speak right. in generalities, it'll be you can't do it at all unless it's on this allowable list. And then on the allowable list, you can have up to X. You can collect up to Got X it. and it's going to be these handful of things. The other things, it's just a flat no. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that's that's the way it goes. When in, in reality, you know, maybe the answer is uh, two would be, re but the enforcement associated with not only is it the yeah. granularity mm -hmm. to discover those things, it's then the ability to enforce it and sort of 
make sure yeah. that people aren't exploiting it. Because all three of us, yeah. we're talking about this in the German context, right? Yeah. Where we're saying, what's one pair or two pair? Obviously, you know, less so in this book, more so in The Lizard King, we get into a, book, a, a context of saying, well, why not bring 50,000 and sell green iguanas for 10 bucks rather than bringing yeah. in 5,000 and selling them for 50, you know, or, or whatever. That's the, mm -hmm. the, that sort of, when we talk yeah. about commercialization, there's boutique or boutique commercialization, which I think is, you know, what we're all talking about here and sort of yeah. envisioning. Mm -hmm. But then there's also just the gross, you know, um, like factory, gross consumptive kind of, yeah. factory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's Rape just like a hundred percent. And I don't think any of us are for that, you know, so that yeah. even there, it's like, well, how, even as we're talking through it, it's really difficult to kind of thread that needle of saying yeah. what we're talking about. That's fine. This enforcing it so that it doesn't become that other thing that we know exists by people, you know, Justin, I, I think it was you that, that referenced would always reference. And certainly, Owen, I know you love the line mm -hmm. about like, you know, it was money with scales, right? Not, not actually yeah. the animal for yeah. itself. Yeah. Well, what, what kills me too, and we were, we were talking about this on Reptile Fight Club, uh, that'll come out later, but um, we we're mm -hmm. talking about the, the new, what, the fine in Florida for filling in a gopher tortoise burrow with cement oh, is yeah, less, it, it, than less than doing the up. environmental impact or whatever to, to remove the tortoise. Yeah. It costs you less to, to just fill in the burrow with and kill it and get fined for killing a tortoise. Yeah. It makes no sense, you that know, and, but, but of course sense. you can't go near a tortoise or touch a tortoise or, you know, you know, forbid you, you keep a tortoise, but, um, you know, that's kind of the, the yeah. disconnect, I think, where we're willing to pave over their habitat. And and I face the same thing in Utah with Gila monsters. You know, there's a very small range of the Gila monsters in the southwest corner of the state, and you're not allowed to, you know, own one or keep one or whatever. Now, these have made it in the pet trade, so they're, you know, any other state can probably buy a Utah Gila monster except people in Utah, where they come from and where we could keep them in a, you know, area where they, where they feel comfortable or whatnot. And, uh, but, but yet, St. George, where they're found, is one of the fastest growing, you know, cities in, in per capita in the United States. It's just ridiculous the amount of growth. And and I was talking about going into this state park, and there was this long road you had to take to get out there. And now it's just all houses, <laughs> houses and condos right up to the doorstep of the state park. You know, and so luckily they've set aside land to kind of uh, as a preserve it. and it's a, a good section and good good amount of land but who knows how long that that'll last i mean the the government of utah has really shown their true colors of wanting to sell off all the you know get the federal land so they can sell them off and make money you know and it's mm -hmm. like uh, to what end you know you see you know you, you'll you'll make a buck now but down the road you know then then it's gone then then that person's just you know, on the land or what? I don't know. Yeah. It's just frustrating to, to it, think it, of that. It is. And it's also, I mean, uh, you kind of get the reputation of being the reptile person in your town. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a small park near me and they, the head of the parks and recreation texted me saying that they had reports of a rattlesnake down at the park. And I said, that is highly unlikely, just highly unlikely. All over Facebook the next day was that there was a large black rattlesnake at the park and that it was unsafe and people did do this and people were getting ready to go down there with shovels and stuff like that and find mm -hmm. this thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, did, did anybody get a picture of it? It, <laughs> it was a black rat snake. 
It wasn't mm-hmm. just a black rat snake, but this is an animal that encroached on human territory. So what you're saying, mm-hmm. like even with the area in Utah, you could build all around where the Gila monsters are. The second that Gila monster comes off of where it's supposed yeah. to be, kill it, gonna freak kill out. it, kill it. It's a venomous animal. It's near my children. It threatened yeah. my dog that was 18 yeah. times its size. Like it's that yeah. kind of stuff. So yeah. you, you see that edge of it and that part of it where it's like, well, why the hell can't I have this? I yeah. would appreciate it much more than this person that's going to kill it with a screwdriver. But mm-hmm. it, it's also no, it really I is like the like, Simpsons. You're just it's just right. div- one step divorced. It's like the Simpsons, right? Where for liability purposes, it's the ocean that will kill you, not us, right? You know, in terms of <laughs> will destroy your habitat? It'll, will it inexorably lead to your death? Yes, but uh, yes. for liability purposes, you know, it wasn't actually the backhoe. It was the impact of the development of the backhoe. Right. And and I did read that article you were talking about, Justin, where it is now cheaper for them just to pay the fine than to pay to have the tortoises removed, Yeah, um, which is just stupid. And but, that really, I mean, that really, I think, drives some of these things where you're mm-hmm. like, they don't care about the wildlife. They're not really trying to protect yeah. the wildlife. They're trying to make themselves feel better or give themselves job security or something. You know, it's like, I mean, I, I guarantee there's wildlife officials out there that really care about wildlife and some might even care about reptiles, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, but it just, it's, it's just frustrating to watch just the wanton destruction. And they probably feel the same way, you know, about the mm-hmm. destruction of the habitat and, and those kind of things, because they're probably interested in maintaining those uh, wild areas as well. Um, I, you know, it's just, I, I guess it's hard to stop progress and, and there's a lot of like, uh, what was it? Some mining, there was some mining going on in Utah on public yeah. lands and the money that they made like was tenfold the amount of the fine they had to pay for mining on land that they shouldn't be mining on. It's like, what's the, what, what's, what was the what point of the that current here yeah. you know it's like yeah i guess it was kind of the early days of smuggling when you'd get caught you just kind of get slapped on the wrist and say Pay don't do that again and yeah. then or or find five thousand dollars when you made you know fifty thousand dollars off of the smuggled animals mm-hmm. so what's the deterrent you know you, you're yeah. gonna just turn around and do it again and that's why we see a lot of repeat offenders and why Hank Molt kept going for the next score and the next score. And you know why Tom Crutchfield couldn't just call the authorities when he got the banded iguanas in the mail and things like yeah, that. It's, you know, like, I, I, and, and I, and I don't understand his thinking of trying to send them to, well, actually I do understand his thinking of sending them to the zoo. It's like, they'll just yeah. go over there and yeah, join yeah, their I mean, population and be legal. Mm-hmm. But it's, um, I mean, and I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing from Europeans that, yeah banded iguanas are very easy to breed and they're very prolific and they're you know you can just wind up with anybody who wants one can get one for a hundred bucks but yeah yet they're even in canada canada too but it'll never happen here because of because of this because of their intrinsic Mm -hmm. appeal right combined with this history yeah that's something that'll never Mm -hmm. the facts don't matter we've we've we're divorced from the facts those will never be in private you know legitimately unless unless yeah well but i'm saying like the 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 mentality associated with that history yeah it's just it's just always going to be a hard no yeah that's because it's driven by by this it could be anything else it could be something far more rare but it doesn't have the stigma that that association because that would be the thing right right? you could view that through 
you know, people even even generationally, right, can be petty on such things. And if ultimately that were to happen, then it would be easy enough to conceive someone viewing that as a spit in the face to all the people that were doing the enforcement in 1979, 1980, you know, sure. Sure. saying, oh, yeah. yep, actually, rough scale, <laughs> scale pythons are in private hands before Fiji iguanas yeah. trickled out of zoological facilities in the United States, where if they're set up, apparently they breed like crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To yeah. The point where I think there's several zoos that have large colonies of Fiji's. So mm-hmm. The fact that those animals can be collected in Australia, do their little dance all over Europe and somehow get over to us yeah. before the other stuff that's already here can get into our hands. Well, there's no dance. So and, no, no, no. Hold on. I will stop you here. No, no, no. no, sorry, it, no, no. We don't need to. This is the thing, right? The whole notion that things have never, never been legally exported. Well, there was a period of time when things were shipped out before there was a law on this. Right. So you can say, right. oh, well, it wasn't legal because we didn't stamp a permit because there wasn't you didn't, didn't require one. OK, that's a little bit fictive as you know, as just talking through it. Right. But in terms of right. certainly roughies, albino olives, uh, Darwin carpets, I mean, those have cleared mm-hmm. paperwork that says those are legitimate. In fact, there's cleared paperwork that says shinglebacks are here. You know, the the zoo had right. some where it's like, did you sign off on this, you know, 3177 import paperwork that said, you know, call up Fish and Wildlife. Did you sign this paperwork? Says these came in legally for, you know, these purposes. 100%. Okay, we're good to go. Never, never let, never let logic and reason get in the way of bureaucracy and politics because <laughs> I tried that. I oh. had paperwork stamped and they said, well, those aren't legal. And I said, what does your stamp mean if not legality of specimens? Like I'm importing them through proper channels from Europe. You stamped it. It came to me. How is that not legal? I thought that was the definition of legal. Oh no, no, we can't, we can't determine how this will impact populations in Australia. They will not. There is no chance that they would impact populations in Australia. How would they get there? They've been here and they've been reproduced and there's babies and, Ah, man, never let logic and reason get in the way of bureaucracy. (laughs) Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, that's that's a common problem to any sort of bureaucracy, as you highlight. Right. I'm just highlighting here that, oh, and it's way overstated when people say, oh, everything was smoke. No. Yeah, sure. A lot of stuff. And maybe there's a lot of stuff in the mix. Right. That where that might be true. But Mm -hmm. the notion that all of it is which you hear just, you know. Like, Justin, it's the tweak on what you just said, right? Don't let uh, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story, and people tend to take it that way. You know, it's <laughs> right. all illegal. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've heard stories of you know pairs of parentes that were shipped, you know, smuggled over within the last ten years or whatever, and and they were in private hands over here somewhere. I don't, I, you know, I don't know who who oh. got them or who sent them or whatever, but you know people telling me I know because I talked to the person who sent them over, you know, kind of one of those, I heard it from this guy, right. I heard it from this guy kind of things. But, you know, there's plenty of those kind of animals that have made it over. But, you know, what do you do with them then? If they're, you know, if they're, know. they're like, so, so what if you got some, some of these banded iguanas back, you know, back when they were illegal, like, like Crutchfield, what do you what do, do, you with, do them? with them? Right. Yeah. You yeah. can't do anything because they're so, yeah, they're, they're too so uh, known yep. and, and too mm-hmm. hot. Yeah, you can't you can't make any money off of them because nobody's going to buy them. From and you them, don't even so. get to have the Instagram yeah, it's, glory it's, of putting them out there because then you're giving yourself away. You know, it, yeah. it's like it would ruin the whole <laughs> thing. Right? Yeah. 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 
Yeah, it would have to be a pure, I love these animals and I just want to see them for myself. And very few people, very few herpers have that kind of fortitude. Yeah, I, I don't think they, <laughs> I think even if you, you were just got to tell somebody. I exactly. Gotta, yeah. Even if you're the kind of person to keep a secret from the mass population, you'd still invite several people over who you know are big <laughs> reptile nerds and show them off downstairs. And that's yeah. why, that's why the Fed set up several reptile like yeah. import export companies yeah. and easily caught people like oh, it was yeah. just uh, yeah well and even then right uh, i mean and it, it, it has to be a lucky mm-hmm. guess that you wind up liking them in ca- at least in captivity i mean you can love something mm-hmm. in the lot like if you've if something has been unavailable you're the first person who gets you know you get these illicit animals well hopefully they're just as cool as you hope they were then you're just sitting on this thing that to your point well the only the only glory is the intrinsic yeah. glory right the the intrinsic enjoyment and what if you don't mm. enjoy them <laughs> then the, mm. it's all for yeah that. then what <laughs> yeah what well and that's kind of you know you can't go well, looking was, for help it, it was in the book. Somebody's like, you know, after all, they're just iguanas. Like they got bored <laughs> with them, or they didn't care about them, or whatever, you know. And it's like this this thing they had to have, and they were, you know, the stories are all glorified. And then after they have them, and they've seen a few of them, it's like, eh, they're just. Iguanas. It was about you getting know, them. It's it's like, the hunt. It's that mentality. It's that. the chase. It's you can't have it. Yeah. I mean, shoot, we see this all the time. Yeah. We've seen this all the time throughout the entirety of our collective experiences in herpeticulture. There are plenty of awesome animals that are readily available and are inexpensive to free that we don't value. Like we do things that are hard to, that are, you know, hard to keep or hard to access or all of the above. Until they go away. But then the the price shoots up. And sometimes that's due to reality, Mm -hmm. right? Karusha. Other times it's, you know, just a a function that like, oh, actually it turns out people don't really enjoy working with them, but now it's the rare cool thing, Mm -hmm. you know, or the, the opposite. You know, there are plenty yeah. of, in our California experience, right, the the rock lizards, right, mm-hmm. where it's like, well, that's not a commercialized species at this yeah. point. Could be, theoretically, but it might well be in that vein of can collect mm-hmm. but can only give away. I think maybe the California license doesn't allow the sale of the, you know, that sort of thing. But it's like, heck, sure. that doesn't mean people yeah. can't and won't do it. I have several projects where that's the case, where people have kept yeah. them going for decades without mm-hmm. being able to sell them. Yeah. Well, and also that's, that's just, if you live in California, you know, yeah. like the Utah Gila monsters, if you collect them legally and, and move them out of the state and you're selling them to, I mean, yeah. Utah can't go and grab somebody in Colorado and say, you're selling Utah Gila. Monsters, well, theoretically you know, they so might. I, I it's, it's, it's interesting actually, legally speaking, but, but I agree with yeah, you in terms true. of who's yeah. the guy who's up in uh, Montana, right? I mean, he's got those beautiful Utah line Gila's, right? And has been selling them publicly that way mm-hmm. for 35 years. It's, um, he used to do yeah. some king snakes, yeah. but he's got uh, Arizona, he's got reticulated, but he also has the, the beautiful Utah line, what, what Washington County. Um, mm-hmm. I can't think. He used yeah. to do a big spread in the reptile magazines. Yeah. Mm, uh it's yeah, Steve Osborne. Osborne. There you go. Um, Steve Osborne. Yeah, that's yeah, that's I guess that's the frustration is you know a lot of things are state state laws or state yeah. rules you know and uh, I mean California king snakes were technically illegal in Utah until a few years back when they changed that because I mean every pet store had a California king snake and you know half the people who had a king snake had a cow king you know it's right. like 
but but technically they're illegal. Are you going to go arrest these kids because they bought a king snake at PetSmart? You know, no, I don't think that's going to happen. So they kind of changed it to you know you couldn't collect them, but you mm-hmm. could buy them from a pet store or whatever. So it, it, yeah. state laws are weird, and 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 yeah. we kind of went through a lot of the state laws in my head when reading the book about the and the various complications they kept running into. Because mm-hmm. I mean, the reason I breed snow corn snakes is because I do have a pet store I supply in New Jersey and mm-hmm. they can only purchase corn snakes that have um, a mutation co- get mutated eyes so yeah. if they have the black <laughs> eyes they like even if it's a morph like the rest wow. of the snake could look crazy but if it's got black eyes they can't have it they can only do um, mm-hmm. red eyes or some other different colored eyeball so mm-hmm. um, yeah it, that's just the kind of weird stuff that we you with because I think it's like one part of New Jersey where there could be corn snakes or something like that. We've so, been there, Owen. It's just we've been there. Course, we I'm went and looked for them. Yeah, we've, we did not succeed. <laughs> we didn't find shit. <laughs> we found a few things. Well, we found well, ticks. It wasn't. It actually wasn't the tick spot. It was the the less slightly less ticky spot. Oh. Okay. Because <laughs> the the other non ticky spot. Um. But not non-ticky. I don't. Th- I don't understand how you slap. people live there. Not non-ticky. Not there is no non-ticky. No you know, non-ticky. east of the Mississippi. That, that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness we live west then. <laughs> New Jersey is horrible. Yes, yeah. Rob. Ticks are <laughs> terrible. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's hard to put value on these things. And and I understand that like once the cat's out of the bag. What were they talking about in the book? How like they keep having. Um, the ads of like don't smuggle tortoises and it's like a baby plowshare yeah. and a yep. and a baby um it was like they said it was like a radiator or something like that mm-hmm. and it was like don't smuggle baby tortoises and they're like at this point they're everywhere <laughs> like they've just been those ones that were never recovered have just been bred all over the place it's like I hope so. You know, yeah. I hope that, I hope that's what know, happened. Yeah, me too. Just, I have a soft spot for for people. So I have a friend that got caught smuggling, right? And mm-hmm. he was bringing back stuff to pair up, and he would, you know, he would come up with these rare species of lizard from Australia mm-hmm. and be like, um, all of a sudden he's offering offspring. You're like, where'd you get these? Oh, you know, I got them from Europe or whatever. Yeah. Well, it turns out he, you know, a lot of them didn't come from Europe, maybe, and <laughs> but but he would bring them back reproduce mm-hmm. them and then sell captive bred offspring so and make it so nobody ever needed to bring those things in yeah. ever again you know yeah. so and and i mean he got caught and it mm-hmm. was he was dobbed in by one of his uh his ex-wife kind of alerted his competitor and and they called the airport and told him what airline and, and where they'd find him and so oh. you know it, it uh i think that was kind of a, a theme of the book too of you mm-hmm. know there's there, you know, there you're you're not really safe uh, when you're dealing with people who are going to help you smuggle. You know, yeah. Hank Moult was terrible of just screwing people over, turning in his friends. You know, uh, just to get his sentence lessened a little bit. And he he was he felt fully justified in doing that. You know, yeah. like eh, yeah. you know that's that's what you do. That's what happens when you deal with this kind yeah. of. I mean, he had no qualms about like not sending people animals and taking their money and just kind of hiding from them at the expo. You know, it's right. Like, right. How do you live like that? That would just be such a miserable existence watching, yeah. you know, having to look over your shoulder because somebody's going to attack you because you owe them money or or you stole or their animals or taking people uh, on world world tours to look for animals and yeah. on their dime and then they're broke coming around looking for you yeah. because now you've 
taken the animals that they helped you collect and you've sold them all. And I then mean, you just hang them up to dry right. once, once you're busted. And also, I mean, I would say the, the, another important lesson for uh, that we learned from Tom Crutchfield with the Fijis destroy the evidence destroy the evidence yeah. completely don't, don't let don't, your what you <laughs> your smuggling buddy <laughs> hank you'll take care of this for you yeah i'm prison. sure he, this no. will never come back to haunt me <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure this uh, will work out fine yeah. close his door like it's like i yeah i mean uh, burn the carcasses spread the asses after. into the ocean like don't yeah. what's wrong with you man but I get it. I I wouldn't be able to do that, you know, if yeah, I had some, yeah. you know, species that I was prancing around the reptile around room, happy with the so happy table. to have them, and then I can't just you know. And and I think that's also the cut part off of their it. heads and kill their lizards as well. Right. <laughs> I want to say that that was some part of it too, where it's like again, you know, we talked about it, where it's like the good guys get them, the animals die; the bad guys get them, the animals die. Um, even then, it's like the the the, um, the, the pine barrens with the suitcase, uh, yeah. where they where they freaked out and they buried it, and then the yeah. animals passed. It's like, God damn it! Just give the suitcase to like the authorities. Let them take care. Of it. Don't let the animals die. And it's yeah, like, well, they probably they almost certainly would have died. Anyway. I'm too. not. Yeah, I don't think that's <laughs> worth the giving like, to is over. It's, yeah. I want to sit there and cling yeah. to that. Exactly. It's like with the uh, with the bullet with the eighteen bullet eye, where it's like, well, they're at the LA Zoo now; they'll be safe, and then they're dead. It's like, no. It's, so <laughs> yeah. it, there's also that is that we need to you need to get yourself out of that head of just because they're now with the proper authorities or with the zoological facility, they'll be okay. Zoos uh, were zoos had to come a long way in this. Well, they, I I don't know that they've. <laughs> they still got a little because my, my buddy that got caught they confiscated yeah. the animals and sent them to a very renowned zoo and that and we went to that zoo to see those animals and they actually showed us the animals but we saw some of them that were on exhibit yeah and these hadn't been split into different species yet but anybody who'd worked with them or or knew anything about them knew they were different species well the mm. zoo had them all in one cage and they were all like kind of in their own corner like and they had like battle wounds and stuff and it's like oh. okay you need to you need to separate these don't keep yeah. them on the same tank well no they're they're all the same species they're fine they're no they're not fine and we're trying to tell them you need to separate these but they wouldn't listen you know and then we see ah, it's just so frustrating you know the the it, shenanigans there's, there's a really big wedge and a disconnect between um the culture like hobbyists and zoological and you almost feel like this is where some of it kind of came about is that yeah. a lot of dudes got embarrassed by, yeah. by the stuff that happened with Hank and things like that of um, when it all came out that they had purchased smuggled animals and this other thing, which I mean, <laughs> the, the seventies and zoos. And I mean, like, you know, this might've been a step above what they would normally do is just go yeah. over there and buy the animal and have it come over with um, the legal paperwork, which I think a zoological facility would be able to get such paperwork. And they actually did send Malt on a couple collection trips with paperwork. It's just like mm -hmm. he had, like we were talking about earlier, where it's like, yes, a lot of this stuff came legally and the, and the paperwork said five, but they put a one in front of the five. And now instead mm -hmm. of 
five bowling to fifteen. Yeah. It's like that kind of and stuff. And some of it is constructive um, knowledge too, right? If you're going back to the zoo stuff, where it's like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. fine, you may not have known, yeah. but you should have known. Yeah. A reasonable person, similarly situated, would have. Right? Exactly. So yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I think Owen, you you make a bunch of great points there, yeah, and a yeah. lot of the, I mean, so much of the book, right, is about human foible rather than the animal. You know, I really enjoy it. It's my favorite mm-hmm. uh, sort of the pop fiction that involves rep- the herpetoculture more so like than the lizard king and all this stuff. But uh, yeah. not least, and we can get into this yep. down the road, but like all the, and I know Justin, you'll be the same. Owen, you'll be the same. But there are things in here that I have direct firsthand knowledge of. Right. And, uh, you know, incidents even when it's talking yeah. about the uh, 2003, 2004, you know, being at Daytona, the the hurricane, the, the yeah. year with Butterbean, the giant German who winds up get mm-hmm. who becomes obsessed with Parviacula. Yeah, I well, I can it's tell a you a lot about what he's like because yeah. I was sitting on that <laughs> patio and I was chatting with him. So I can tell you all about him. No worries at all, man. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. I think before you got on, we were talking yeah, about Stefan Schwartz. Oh, yes. no, yeah. So Stefan yeah. Schwartz yeah. is is, and I yeah, met. is Peter Krause. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benjamin yeah. Bucks is Thomas Price, associated with the the Euromastic. So you know, um, oh. and the a guy who was keeping some uh, marine iguanas. If you, you can find him, he's on face. I think I'm friends with him on Facebook, uh, <laughs> maybe Facebook or Instagram or something. But uh, yeah, he was working on a marine iguana project, and mm-hmm. you know, very cool. But I think, yeah, to your point, there was like, yeah. there's three or four pseudonyms, yeah. the, and I had written them in the book sort of as I had sussed it out, you know, years ago or whatever. But yeah, to your point, Stefan Schwartz, pretty, pretty clear. Yeah. Benjamin Bucks, Thomas Price. And then Carl Sorensen is a guy with the last name Christensen. So some PA guy with the last name Christensen, but I don't know if first name. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, super mm-hmm. fun. That was kind of fun to to come to that realization when you're reading and you're like, Oh yeah. Oh, wait, <laughs> Red Owen Pellies? Wait, I know who that is. That's not Stephanie yeah, Schwartz. 100%. Hey, I'm just going to go consult yeah. my blue Bible it, and look at the photos of exactly what's being described here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, look at that. It's, it, it's funny because I, I know in, in the later part chapters, they get into the Ethiopian vipers and it's just like, Hamburg Reptile Show. God damn it again. Like every time there's something horrible about animals and reptiles, it's like, here we are in Pennsylvania. Well, I think oh, when God the author, it. like, it's like, it's yeah, about so I have a couple of, you know, very much on brand for, or on book uh, comments here, possibly on brand as well, but would be that I think when, uh, I think when okay. she was talking to Hank, either, either Hank or, um, hmm. Oh, shoot, I can't. Um, who's the guy who runs the Daytona show? Somehow it's slipping my mind. Wayne Hill, yeah. Wayne. Um, yeah. Yeah, Mister uh, Mister Scooter yeah. himself. Um, that uh, so she was either talking to Hank or talking to Wayne, and but I think it was Hank, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I mean this is this is all fine, all right, but you got to come to Hamburg because that's where the real fun's at." Mm-hmm. That's the good stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can sell a kid a, a black mamba. A crocodile and a black them. Oh, yeah. here's your first trip to Hamburg. Here's your complimentary crocodile and venomous snake. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. Please come back. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say I was watching some documentary on exotic animals as pets, and they're it's one of those where they're they're filming as they're driving. And I'm like, that looks familiar. 
and then it has like a little ticker of where they are and it's like hamburg pennsylvania i'm like ah crap <laughs> like it's it's a 50 50 <laughs> chance that i'm gonna be in this thing in a minute like it's like <laughs> um well, so guys, i i i've gotta i gotta bounce my my daughter has a band concert so i'm gonna go listen to her play but uh i i now uh transfer my podfather um, powers yeah powers over to rob okay that's smart <laughs> We're the podfather now yeah that, that's intelligent that's how i would have played it too yeah, yeah. but what <laughs> i mean what what a what a crazy book i i this is probably one of my favorite so i will know, say justin books, uh, the, the one note because i really want your feedback on this too the one thing i yeah. guess that that strikes because i'm totally with yeah. you totally yeah. agree mm. the one thing that strikes me the wrong way is i think it's probably in the introduction there's just sort of some negative pandering language about like weirdos who keep reptiles and all this stuff and it's like jenny aaron smith your entire audience your principal audience for this book is reptile keepers <laughs> like <laughs> know your audience yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I actually talked to talk to terry phillip uh terry phillip who had met her and knew her Mm -hmm. to some extent he said she's she's yeah, really on the ball she's really you know she she has a pretty good understanding of. it of, felt like you know, an editor's kind of thing, note you know it, it I, almost yeah. felt like to i, your I point, don't know like it didn't correspond yeah. to the language mm -hmm. of the book it almost felt like you mm -hmm. didn't write this or you were suggested to this is mm -hmm. framing from an external editor because it mm -hmm. doesn't correspond with how you write about the events in this book and it's really negative mm -hmm. and really yeah, like right? just sort of right. silly because again it's like no you're I understand yeah. that you're trying to mass market a book, but your principal audience is going to be people that you're going to be offending mm -hmm. with this language. You know, it's just, it's like, it's not going to land right, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, re I remember when the book was released and. Well, he was excited. Hold on. Remember, he was excited mind. for he it. He was trying and to then, slander so her. We're into our, yeah. like, you know, week before yeah. and then Tuesday and this sort of. If, if I had gotten it the week before, maybe I, I would have known he was uh -huh. going to be upset beforehand. Although, frankly, he comes. I think he's fine. You know, I think that's just, mm -hmm. to me, that's the vanity of ourselves. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's bound there's back. nothing in like, here that I mean, isn't yeah. there's nothing yeah, in here i think it's true. just the vanity like, of and, always viewing ourselves as the hero yeah. and maybe that's why he was upset more than any factual statement right there. yeah 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 but <laughs> it was fun to watch him you know, it was funny i do remember all that yeah it was very funny and <laughs> freak out about it and, yeah all right justin yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, Justin. Well, have fun. Well, uh, yep. Thanks for letting me jump on here. It's fun to talk about the book, but we'll we'll catch you later. Yep. So, I mean, speaking to that point, is you can't be the hero if you take your entire family and run to beliefs. Like, I don't think you can be just based off of that. that yeah, that fact. I mean, it's interesting, so. right? I mean, you can be the hero that's described, or at least one of two heroes, right? Anti-heroes. I mean, that's the thing. It sort of gives this – it fits well into like a narrative of dystopian 20th century fiction, right? Where we're, we're kind of looking at this thinking, okay, this is our right. Saul Bellow sees the day sort of characters who are, look, who are sitting there saying, okay, this is the prototype anti-hero within – and within a, you know probably the broader group of just a plain villain. And, you know, something more of a hero within a more narrow mm -hmm. framework, you know. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know. I just to Justin's point, right, that that definitely was how it went over or at least how he reacted to it. And I, right. I can't imagine that it was actually based on the substance of the book. It was just that there must 
there's a you know kind of some stuff in there that mm. maybe is a little too on the nose right i mean i think he's theoretically from like a long-standing mm-hmm. florida family and all this stuff but it's like the wealth i think she has a line in there about well certainly the wealth and prestige were long gone by the time that you know his mother put tommy tommy crutchfield on the birth yeah. certificate yeah. you know the notion oh he's a 17th century floridian and all this stuff and it's like well right. All the wealth and prestige that might have been there at one point were gone right. when that happened. Well, he probably didn't love that line, even if that's something that he says. Yeah. Well, even if it's something he says, sort either. of in yeah. self-deprecation or in <laughs> you know in a certain uh, mindset or state or whatever right. it would be, right? right? When you see it written down, it seems uh, maybe it's mm-hmm. a little bit uglier than what you imagine it to be when you say it, you know. And I think it's probably those things that he really disagreed with. Well, yeah, and yeah, and if it comes out, right, it, it lands differently, wrong, especially might, to you. It might not to anyone else, like but to or, you, it, yeah. it really lands yeah. different. Yeah. Right. Right. It's it's just it's just weird with this. Well, book. I mean, it's um, weird for you because it's. And, I mean, all this stuff is uh, you weren't necessarily born, let alone involved. You know, at, at the time, but it's all happening within. I mean, I had to ask Eric. You know, it's like, what's the uh Bala Kinwood, right? You know, it's always from and it's like yeah, it's like how the hell do you say yeah, that? Balakinwood. You know, and oh yeah. it's it's Welsh, right? But it's like if you're not a part of that, you look at it, it's like <laughs> Bala's you know, like you wouldn't know how to say it, right? You know. Um so that's super yeah, interesting. It, it's like how you Google, like you know. It's it's super interesting in my standpoint is like when they were describing um, yeah. Where his shop was in Willow Grove, I know that place. I know exactly where they were talking about. Um, having lived a block away from Martin's Aquarium, and you know, uh, I, I ran around Willow Grove as a kid mo- most of my life. So it's weird to have those ties, and then also having ties to zoological facilities, and also having ties to animals that you know I would only dream about like you know we're, we're talking right out of the wild diamond pythons yeah. we're in willow grove pennsylvania and like come on and just and i and i talked about this a little bit with justin i did not start my reptile career until 2005 so this is a part of our history that you know i never right, you really hear about it in bits and spurts it'll be referenced you know yeah just sure. by, right the history of it. You, you can't have Australian species and not have a little bit of the knowledge of yeah. how some of them got here, you know, and how some of them had to do that. <laughs> Wilma's being smuggled in tape decks. Blew my well, there's hell. actually, like, did you take note, Ellen? There's a shipping like, technique was... that's mentioned in there, right? So that Stefan Schwartz, mm-hmm. Peter Krauss, right, talks about the importance of letting something crawl into its container rather than yeah. forcing it in. Yeah. Letting it right, letting it crawl settle. in and settle. And it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, everyone should take that there. as a note when they're shipping yeah. a reptile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let it let it slither into the bag and figure itself out, and then you can seal it up. I like that idea better than you know, cramming it into a cramming as many of you them as you can into a box, sealing it and then hoping to God You had to be lives. a little more careful when um, it was a month. But... You know, people freak out no, when it, it doesn't come, insane. you know, 12 hours later. This we're yeah. talking three weeks or a month. <laughs> month. 
Oh my god. That's what that's what kills me. It's like, you know, the, how could you how do you not lose your mind? Like shipping something like that that number one is not only illegal, like and you know that it has to clear customs and all this other stuff, or you're gonna have a very big problem on your hands. But then also they're in that box for a month. I freak out when my animal does not arrive at its intended destination by noon. Well, I think the Owen, next day. fundamentally, and I love the like, book, you I know, I, all these things have a tremendous, mm. you know, place in my heart in their own way. I would say that certainly the way you feel about the animals that you ship mm -hmm. is very different than the way Peter was feeling about the way he shipped about what he shipped. Different. Okay. <laughs> that's fundamentally true. So that that's a big part of it. You know, but yeah. I'm just saying that we could we can yeah. moderate our anxiety a little bit that, by yeah. saying like, yeah, I don't know. They, you know, Peter was shipping stuff, and it would take a month to get here, and it was fine, or at least some percentage of it was fine. So maybe we can take a deep breath. And, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and that was the um. That's what got him caught up on the one thing is that they didn't the one guy. Right, he just didn't want to pay any more for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah he like, just didn't want to pay the like the tax associated on... with the value of it, so he undervalued right. the shipment. And that's what tripped the whole thing up. Which is how those things go. I mean, that's that's how that stuff falls apart. Yeah, or it's just being mistake, done with it. One little yeah, because I don't yeah. like a. He wasn't, wow. you know, they hadn't talked through what it should look like. Yeah. But also, yeah. secondarily, it was just like I'm not going to give. I'm not going to mm -hmm. put another cent. I'm not going to throw good money after bad here into this venture, into this. and that's what causes the whole thing to actually go yeah. go negatively, which isn't to say that Hank wouldn't have stiffed him for the entirety of the money, even if it went fine. Right. 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 God. It's, it's just insanely fun. Um, it's an insanely fun read, and it's, an, it's a nice deep dive into – some people, because I, I know that, um, like that, Tom Crutchfield still yeah, has an active presence in the reptile community, and yeah, and is and is seen favorable by by a couple people, a bunch of people. So, I mean, it's a fun kind of a thing that kind of shows you how we got here with certain species, and also how we got here with, you know, I get like I said earlier, like the relationship we have with certain things, you know. Uh, I went through my old uh -huh. reptiles magazine pan, in 1993. Pan, whatever it was. Yeah, pan, that the not feds pan ran rim, trying to get people to pack fight. Rim, yeah. Yeah. Uh, pack rim, pack rim. Yeah. Yeah. Pack rim. Yeah. I don't have it. The one the, that I have that uh, I only go back far back is 94. So I don't have any. I'll of have to look. I'll look, Owen, and then we'll see if we can take a little picture but, of it. Because uh, I have some I of that stuff. That so we'll look. Yeah. Please. That. Well, I like it because I, I mean I have all the I have the vivarium ads that talk about you know tiger carpets and all that other stuff. So I have it uh -huh. because that that's this like, really is history. like the the you nexus know, that's, that's right part of part of it and stuff like that. So, so I'll bring us back. Cool. Let's you know uh, break the fourth mm -hmm. fourth wall here a little bit. Where the heck is he? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. He's I was just gonna say um, this he's is gone now. What's it's, that? Yeah. Uh, now he um he had he had some he had some kind of work thing and he's like I'll be right there and then he's like I'll be there at like nice. seven thirty seven forty seven forty five <laughs> and I'm like it's now <laughs> where's that kid with my latte like, he's not coming. Is that coming is he so um, I don't know 
They go to pieces over nothing. Not this really is the nexus of her history and the book review stuff. I mean, this this more than anything. You know, I suppose you could put yeah. the Lizard King in. And actually, so it turns yeah. out I'm like second degree separation from the author of that book. But to be honest, that book doesn't. Yeah, but it doesn't appeal to me in the same way that this one does. Really? And I, it's just the way it sits. And I think maybe it is the. Yeah. The counts of volume, and yes, Owen. Before you ask, I've I've reached out. I've asked about. Let's do a show. Let's talk about. You know, at, at this point, mm. I, I don't know. We'll see. But um, mm -hmm. but the you know, in terms of to me, no, this it happens. Speaking honestly, this book <laughs> has more appeal to me than that one because that one's just focused on the the real pure mm. commercialization. Whereas a lot of the people in described in here, I think, have that sort of. I think. It actually was – it's mentioned in mm -hmm. the book, right, in the uh, – well, it might be in the Lizard King, but it's brought up in the context of some court case where they say essentially that you know they have the sickness, right? It's all these people who love reptiles, you know, yeah. and it causes yeah. these people to do things that mm -hmm. you know are against their better judgment or against sort of the rational rationality of a normal actor or whatever it might be. It, it it's these stories I think that speak to us. Um, so like I, I know there was a, a there was a case a couple of years ago mm. that stemmed from the leucistic boa constrictor. Yeah, and and that whole crazy bullshit that to get that thing into the country. And I remember reading every article I could on that one because it just kept getting more and more insane as that story kept going, where it's like, apparently they, they shoved the boa into a fake belly that somebody wore, pretended to be pregnant. It's like, are you kidding? Like on a cruise ship. And it's like, oh my God. So this book is filled with a lot of those kinds of stories, which appeal to me. Right. It's not just that the, the downside of that, many, you know, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the downside of that story to me is that yeah. it, because it's yeah. this mutation, it's about money, and even then, mm. you can tell that there are people who maybe aren't being fully transparent in the sense, even if the local people, right, 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 the right. locals, the local zoo from whom it was quote stolen, you know, or whatever, and it's like, no, you got paid off, and then presumably, stolen, you know, right, yeah. you could easily read. Uh -huh. I should say, you could easily read that situation mm -hmm. as like, oh, what does the person who's involved but wants to pass the buck say? They say, "Oh well, don't pay attention to the money I got. It was stolen. You know this. This fits the narrative that's aligned with it, and all this stolen. stuff, right?" And I don't know that. I'm just saying, you know, that's sort of how I had taken it. Where it's like, right. again, to to the point I know uh, Dr. J made earlier, right? Where it's like, no honor amongst thieves. Where it's just like, I don't know. I view all those things with a high degree of skepticism. Where it's like, there's no clean. You know what I can promise you, Owen? There's no clean hands in that. Nobody could look look themselves in the mirror on that one. Mm, no, none. Not a single one. Well, and, and only I think only by the grace of not wanting to indict several zoos did the zoological facilities yeah. avoid going to court for several of these things that were going on in there. Because that one guy was wanted to build cases against yeah. zoological well, facilities. Well, Owen, to, to a point off. you made earlier, like, right? Um, Tom's old supervisor worked at San Diego yeah. in the 80s during this time, and certainly I can yeah. say, you know, it definitely colored the way he viewed <laughs> animal acquisition 20 years later. You know, he's not he's not there now. He's retired now, and all all this stuff. You know, great guy. But yeah. you know, he was at San Diego when all that stuff went down, and it definitely. 
20, 25 years later was impacting the way he viewed all this stuff? Yeah, I, I think it. I think the black eye that several facilities got was deserved, and it, it, you you have to change the way you you do things because you don't ever want to. You, you can't sit there on one leg and talk about conservation, and then on the other one, be paying for have some guy just go and grab his. Yeah, I mean it's it's box. all of it is like uh, morally yeah, ambiguous for sure. It's nuts. It is. It is. And it's the problem is, is that where do you draw the line with a lot of stuff? And obviously where I draw the line on where I feel ethically comfortable is different than where you would draw the line or somebody else would draw the line or somebody from a different right, That's time, sort of like when age, we you read books that are about like so, sort of the you know, 19th century like, collectors, like, right? Yeah. For the tax taxidermies and, and all this stuff. And it's, it, we find it repulsive mm -hmm. and horrifying, you know, the net, all mm -hmm. these sort of things also fascinating right you know it's some combination i think maybe that's the thing about this book right it's close it's close mm -hmm. enough to have the our pre to be able to reasonably mm -hmm. apply most of our present context and understanding it's not like oh it was 1875 some you know alfred russell mm -hmm. wallace gets shipped to new guinea to go shoot shit and you know send it back in casks of alcohol you know to be taxidermied <laughs> bring it back yeah you know it's not that, that looks it's not different that than the last differentiation. One. instead yeah. we're looking at it saying okay this is close enough to be familiar but it's obviously also different you know it's not again our our connection is only sort of tangential it's oh i was yeah. sitting there to see this thing happen for what it's worth owen in case i don't think in the book that it's does it elaborate who butterbean wanted to uh mm beat the crap out of for stiffing him? Okay. You, you want to know? No, wait. I don't believe so. I, I'm pretty sure but it's not in they, there. Uh, a noted ball python breeder, A1, Mr. Kevin McGurley. Kevin McGurley, that's correct. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> um... No, well, that I, was just that. Um, so the it's this giant German guy yeah. who was impressively was tattooed. He was literally no. tattooed. Well, there was some section that was covered, mm -hmm. but I met this individual. He made a he he had a you met, you he met made an impression. Individual. But he he was tattooed, including yeah. the bottom mm -hmm. of his feet, which is like super. You know, even Bruce, I don't think has <laughs> tattoos on the bottom of his feet. Um, just because there's You're no like, place why? else. Left, you know? <laughs> um, so like. You know the insides of his hands and the bottom bottoms Bless, of his feet, I guess. and uh, <laughs> yeah, so he struck an impression for sure. And I was principally seeing him in the context that's described here as saying, oh, "Yes, uh, he he mm -hmm. needed." I think not even on behalf of himself, but on someone else's behalf, was going to, um, you know, beat up this ball python breeder who had stiffed him, and then thought it was funny or whatever. Well, I can tell you that it was Kevin, and Kara was like, "No, no, he can take him." You know, Kevin can defend himself against this man. Okay. And I said, you are high if you think that's true. He will literally remove his skull <laughs> from his spine. Do you see this man? <laughs> I, it's the, the drama of, you know, I, I would... 
I want to believe that there's drama in other hobbies, but I just don't, I don't see know, the man. I'm sure they get getting all up in arms like the reptile keepers do. So I don't know. Dying must, <laughs> but it's just, <laughs> but that is insane. I mean, yep. it, and you were at the yep. Daytona that had the hurricane. And I know Keith was there stuff. too. I had seen him yeah. there. You know, back then Keith was the, so, you know, big scary Mr. Yeah, McPeak, you know, and he doesn't remember that from, from my context at all, but. Right. <laughs> he posted up the picture today with his bull snake. I'm like, he never smiles <laughs> like in these pictures with his he's always so serious holding his reptiles. Right. <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> be happy, Keith. But um it's just weird and that I think that's part of the appeal from the book is it, it appeals to me, even though I was not at these situations because I came late in the game, but it appeals to me because it's almost based in my hometown you guys were at a lot of these yeah things. there's still connections to you these know, people uh, you can Justin still friend thomas price on facebook Rondell right the benjamin book benjamin so, bucks of the book yeah. that's quite an alliteration um yeah you know you can yeah. friend him on facebook see what he's doing you know yeah <laughs> yeah 100 percent. you can go buy diamonds from crutchfield yeah jesus it's just it's just nuts um and and like i said i do love these kinds of stories just to kind of see remind us what we're doing and i mean at one point yeah. at the no moralizing here somehow you know, so, you know yeah no what, you know i yeah, think that's that's sort of I a fiction right see, just because the, i mean that's yeah, the other part yeah. of it right i think either intrinsically you're okay with it or you're not and that yeah that can be in manners of degree where it's like okay i'm okay with the one pair two pair sort of situation not the ten thousand one hundred thousand thing mm -hmm. but i mean both those the only in, in our instances right if you're working with wild caught stuff from right. another country the only difference is that in that place they view it as within their interest to authorize this to happen and it's there's a tariff that's paid and otherwise the same thing ha and maybe they're shipped a little bit better right because it's not illicit um but otherwise yeah. the same thing's happening it's because someone has decided it's in their interest mm -hmm. to sign off on that's really the only difference so you have to be either okay with it or not you know you're either bought in or yeah, you're not i think you the only reason yeah or not yeah, I I almost feel like as keepers we're automatically okay with the with the with the yeah. two pair thing because I mean I have wild caught animals I have several I have produced them in my house in Pennsylvania so I have gone to try to breed them to add to the captive born and bred You're population I have not done that as much as I would like to have but I have to be okay with it be yeah but I have to be okay with it because I have those wild caught animals, you know, I, if I'm not okay with it, I'm a hypocrite. So, and I, and I, do I have shipments of, like, do I have a giant freight of Madagascar hognose that I'm just going to take? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the no, manners of degree. I think you can be, you I, know, I you know. can have a, see where that you can be okay be, with saying two pairs different or even, yeah. you know, what yeah. the, all the non amethystina scrubs, right. For, for years and years, the CITES quota was 50. Right. Once they were described and accepted, then it became, mm -hmm. you know, Tracy, I was 50. Naudo was 50. Pastelepis was 50. All this stuff like 50. That's realistically probably I mean, I'm I'm confident mm -hmm. that 50 managed to accidentally die, you know, in ways that we don't even consider in an annual basis. 
Yeah, like, oh, it, some rock <laughs> sheared off and killed five her. of them. You know, yeah, okay, it's, well, it's a lot I, of I guess that's... Yeah. Uh, right, 100%. <laughs> but versus an Lightning unmanaged strike. number, or well, even yeah, a number yeah, that is managed yeah. but is huge, <laughs> and thus ostensibly represents a sort of reasonable harvest or whatever, but it's still a much yeah. different number. Like, that's... Yeah. Those, you can say that's two different things. I just would suggest that, like, the difference between sort of illegal wild caught mm -hmm. and legal wild caught the only difference there is you know sort of government policy and somebody's signature so you're either for that you're either bought in or you're not you know and i think sometimes we yeah the the chondro community moralizing about yeah. indonesian I law mean, for so long has been i don't know frankly it, it strikes me as a little bit like ethnicist or like nationalist it's sort of weird it's like uh oh, one of those indonesians now Well, I mean, they are looking at the animal. Nothing. All right. <laughs> so it's, it would be, I would be interested to see how many lines still, like, how far back does some stuff go? Like, I know. But if it all starts from a black box, I don't know that that really helps, man. Lineage and stuff like that. How many lines go back directly to malt? I don't want to, like, that, that was, that was my brain was like, so they're all coming from one guy in Australia to go to one guy in the U.S. who's just it's really, hey, all Owen, Owen, in the country. It's really who, weird I don't, like, how all I mean, of these how, what are how big of a theoretically distinct lineages yeah. have had the same, you know, have had the same recessive gene pop up in them. Oh, it must be that it's some weird gene that isn't actually recessive. Or let's, uh, you know, let's 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 apply a little Occam's razor to this situation. Or, or they're related. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and that's the thing where it's like so do you stop at uh -huh. how many diamond lines stop at the zoo would it, right, well, and then the, the question becomes okay was the 1981 get, box would it just be a different pair like, than the 1982 <laughs> box and a pair went to riverbanks and a pair went to san diego and a pair went you know to bronx exactly. or whatever oh no we have those are three different lines no actually those were all right, the 1980 box and maybe su maybe supplemented with a few extras from confiscations or whatever. You but know, it's not to say it it's entirely to... the same. Right, but were the animals? But were the animals being bred I think in some Australia of both. and then being shipped over as babies, some of or both. were they just collecting a bunch of diamond pythons in Australia from God knows where? Yeah, yeah. oh, a hundred percent. Okay, so then it definitively it, it, it's, it's definitely it's that. No question. <laughs> it's like I can't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're you're just gonna keep running yeah. into the but now what <laughs> like it's just like if everything comes back to hank Mult and everything yeah, goes back 100 percent. and the where, answer where is it, it's going to be complicated right it's going to doubtless it is I, a mix if you were just looking yeah. at something today that's san diego versus riverbanks versus whatever yeah. but i don't know the the whole you know stardust thing um what is it that's what it's mm -hmm. called right Reduced pattern. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. So the the point would be that like definitely the, the whole notion that like oh wow there's something weird about this gene yeah. that it's popped up and all. The, okay. Do you hear yourself talking? Because if you do, and you can look at this with rationality as opposed to sort of our rose-colored mm -hmm. glasses where we view everything optimistically and say like, 
the Nick always points this out, right? People tend to view things that don't make sense through the the lens most favorable to them, even if it doesn't, even if that's the least likely possibility. You know, he's totally right. You know, and that that's definitely what we see with that one because it's like eh, this isn't even complicated. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it like you said, Occam's razor. It's it, it's. If you looked at any other species, if I explained to you that this happened with ball pythons from this, this, and this, what would you say? You There's would say some at least one common ancestor related, that's common that, across those lineages. The came from yes. some animal 100%. from some place. There's some connection. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right. You would say there's some connection, but instead they're just like, no, well, okay. <laughs> like it is just all right. So it, it it's it's the thing of like how did Jags end up in Australia? Just just throwing it out a appeared. possible or, alternative. Or let's just maybe just maybe one end just <laughs> I mean this is pretty crazy, but bear with me for somebody's a second. hands down there. Just throwing it out there, which is yeah, <laughs> it's mathematically probably more likely that this happened. So, yeah, but that's where we're at. I think we're coming up to uh, about an hour 30. So I don't know where he is at, but I think we can wrap it up now because we did talk a little bit, Justin and I, before I cut out and cut back in. So do you have any other I think we've gotten into a lot of it. It is, it is something that I would recommend to people about. interested in the history of herpeticulture. I think, to my mind, it's the most mm-hmm. interesting book in that yes. vein. Really, almost the only one. Because to me, The Lizard King is so hyper-specific on sort of that really mass commercial Central America, South America stuff that it, they just read very mm-hmm. differently and strike me very differently. So it's, to me, it's kind of a one-of-one. And if you are interested in history of herpeticulture stuff, mm-hmm. I think I think it's a must purchase. I'm sure it's available, used now for nothing, effectively, right? Um, that. Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I want to say mine is right. a um, mine yeah. was a, a retired library book or something like that. I think I got it for like under ten dollars, and it was just like I. Right. I, I knew it came out. I've seen it all over the place. It's really obvious with its bright yellow freaking cover, but it's just like, and I'm like, I didn't, I never got this. So I, I bought this. I think I bought this around Christmas time for myself. And when Eric's like, now nah, you pick the book. I'm like, you know, I have that book over there that I've been meaning to read. And I'm glad I picked this one instead of like, right. The book well, I got to your point, I, I, I was always surprised that you hadn't read it. it. And I think a, it's because maybe it's a slow starting <laughs> thing or it, it seems a little bit off or whatever, but <laughs> Again, if you have an interest in herpeticulture, I think people will find the book super of interest, you know, mm-hmm. and the more all the more so from being able to connect it to characters that are, are still around or, you know, recently departed, as yeah. as Justin pointed out with Peter and all that, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I don't know, I, I would recommend it. I think yeah. it's super fun. I've definitely read it at a handful of times you know i read it, it in a day or two when it had first come out yeah. and you know i've since read it another another time or two just you know every so often just to sort of remember the remember the fun i do think it's it's meant to be read as fun yeah brush brush it up yeah yeah I, I mean i would say if you're definitely somebody who's into australian species um even then, just not yeah. just Australian species, just um, 
Yeah, man. they went into like Dominican Red Mountain. That was the front end like, of the Red. Mountain. Yeah, I, that, I forgot like, about that. Right? You know, relative like, to your own foray into hey, that uh, into boas, you know, <laughs> those boas in particular. Yeah, I mean, it really goes into that in a way, yeah. you know, really bringing it sort of to a modern yeah. audience. Yeah. Yeah. So weird. Yeah, it, it's it's so weird. I mean, also, if you're if you're even in my area, if this if you are a reptile keeper in Pennsylvania, I mean, this is more so our history than a lot of other stuff. I mean, it, it's it's really cool. I, I really enjoyed it. It was a really fun book, and I would say that um, it's like a must read. And like I said, it's not that hard of a read. You can blow through it. The <laughs> only thing that kept me from finishing it was work because apparently I have to do my job to get paid. So, um, but I was able to knock it out in I think a couple days, um, just reading on and off, but it was, it was awesome. It was fun. And like <laughs> I said, you'll be banging your head against the desk after like several chapters being like, why did you do that? And just watching the hilarity yeah. of this all. I mean, mm -hmm. Justin and I were talking about the, um, the field tag rattlesnake that they listed on King snake. And it's like, they mentioned kingsnake.com and like, and that's your education. Like things will hit close to your herpetological experience in one way or another. And it's like, that's what I like about this book yeah. is it, it, it very much, it showed me that <laughs> we were not as 100%. far as removed from the days of smuggling as we like to think we are sometimes. So very cool book. So, uh, Got anything going on, Rob? It's okay. I have some rhino eggs. Should have a litter of um, Puerto Rican boas. And that's about it. Trying to be low-key, man. I, we're just super busy in general. We're getting ready to go to Arizona here in a bit, nice. and that'll be super fun. Um, so, yeah. I, I don't know. The usual. Yeah. Not. I'm not super jealous that now this is like the sec this is like the second trip you guys get to go on without me, <laughs> and then you guys are gonna go to Australia yeah. in October without me. So like this 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 doesn't hurt me at all. So yeah, <laughs> horrible pain that I have to that is inflicted upon me, but um, that'll be fun. Yeah, uh, I mean this that first um, one was I'm, just super early. I mean they had developed follicles sure. last year, but I didn't so, pair them because we'll um, they were you know grow outs that I wanted to mm -hmm. give another year. And so I think that sort of distorted their time frame. It was mm -hmm. super early for me, and it seems early relative to the rest of the ones mm -hmm. that I have. But, uh, you know, I, as I said, I opened it, didn't expect to see him, and was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, so pretty light here. It sounds like you're going to be super busy. All right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just got a clutch of corn snakes. Um, and then I think I have three more potential, four more potential python clutches, maybe. Um, and then I'm That's still awesome, waiting man. on the rhinos and another clutch of corn snakes. So, yep. Well, yep. It's one of those moments where I get to walk around nice. my house saying that I didn't breathe. Your enough, usual process. And then yeah. next month I get to walk around and say I've read too much. So I have a process. We'll see how it <laughs> Yeah, it's it's how it works. <laughs> it's, it's my it's my process, but my process just let it happen. <laughs> so, um, all right. Uh, one last time, uh, it is stolen world is the book, and uh, it is highly recommended by myself and several high ranking herpetological people like Rob, Justin, 
and Eric. So um, definitely a good book. Go ahead and grab it um, and uh, let us know what you think about it. And uh, we'll pick out another book for the next one. I think it's going to be either Eric's turn, turn or we're going to be changing it out to the Patreon to have them pick the next book for the book club. So uh, more on that when Eric reemerges, if he ever does. So we'll see about that. Um, next week, uh, I know we're going to be talking with Mike Curtin later on uh, this week, and that'll probably be the show for after this one. Uh, talking to him about his ocelots, Russian red tigers, um, what he's got going on. I know he's got Maclots python eggs. I know he's got Argentine bones. He'll have some rhino. He said he's going to have some rhino like rat that. snakes from one that I sent to him. The, uh, white sided black rat snakes as well. The rhino eggs, yeah. I saw his. Yeah, I saw his rhino. He he was um, he inspected my rhinos after I got them. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, I need to he, give him a call, actually. He wanted those, so I'm glad he that he's me yesterday success as well now, too. So that'll be cool. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah? He's probably, Rhino questions probably. But there we go. I reminded you on that one. So uh, that'll be happening then. And then I'm not sure what Erica is scheduled later. I should, though, because I think he sent me a schedule, but I didn't read it. So it's here nor there. We'll figure it out um that's all everybody has tonight but if you have any questions go ahead and send it to info at moreliapythonradio.com go ahead and follow us on the patreon follow us on instagram facebook uh Morelli python radio on all those different platforms um and make sure you when you do sign up for the patreon you do it on the inland level because then you'll get invited to the monthly uh private shows with just me eric Riley, Lucas, sometimes Rob come by, sometimes other people come by. It's fun. Um, also, go to the Teespring store. We got a bunch of new stuff going on over there. Merrily Python Radio merch. New thing right now is stickers of NPR show logos um, that you can slap on cups, books, computers, anything you want. And uh, we're working on some other stuff, T-shirts and things like that. Uh, I know that I was going to try to bug Mr. Stone on. Um, fun quotes throughout the history of NPR that I can slap on t-shirts. Um, I have several in mind that I'm going to run by people, but uh, the one recently <laughs> that I really like is um, Carpondro, question mark. Did you eat glue as a child? Like that's probably one of them that I'm going to put on a t-shirt somehow. So, um, but yeah, that's all we have for everybody tonight. So we'll say uh, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python radio. Good night.